calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi, darling. Hello, hello. How are you on this Sunday when we're recording? I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually I'm really annoyed with my dogs today, but that's the only thing that I can really complain about. I had taken, I had done four dog walks within 45 minutes before 9 a.m. Oh, gross. Yeah, not a fan, not a fan. And then I just took Penny on a very annoying walk around the block before I did this. I was hoping for kind of like a like a relaxing little walk before I recorded and it was not relaxing. It was a lot of pulling and nose and I hear you. I mean, to be honest, I I love dogs. I do. But that's one of the things I've considered when getting a dog is like, I did not like having to like get up early and walk the dogs and stuff like that. I mean, luckily my girls are really good where they were potty trained in such a way where they know when they're outside. If we're not on a walk, it's your job to go potty. So they don't wander. Both of my girls go in our yard. They know when they're in the yard. They have a job to do. Um, so luckily, they're not bad when I just have to like let them out to go to the bathroom. But Penny, especially since she's still so young and full of energy and like on walks, I think it's just like sensory overload. She gets so excited that it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I hear you. <sighs> Thoughts and prayers. Thank you. But that's all I have to complain about. Oh, I'm done with my job. So, oh, yeah, I feel that's really, very exciting. You feel yeah, good about it. I feel great. I felt yesterday I had this great sense of like freedom and like this is the first day of the rest of my life kind of like feeling and today is a bit more normal and tomorrow I'm gonna, you know, dive headfirst back into the job hunting scene and things like that. But for today, while I can just kind of enjoy it, it feels really good. And I've been telling everyone in my life, and I'm going to tell you and all the listeners this too, to hold me accountable. If I ever take another nanny job, you all have permission to slap me in the face. I mean, I'm not going to slap you in the face, but I will gently remind you that it's not what you said you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) No, you should very forcefully remind me that it's not what I wanted. There should be no gentle there. It's like, no, you're not doing it, girl. I was literally referred to as the help on my last day of work. Whoa. Yeah, she's like, oh, you're no longer the help. Now you'll just be a guest. I was like, fuck you. Deuces. I hate that, dude. That's not cool. Nope, not cool. Don't like it. I'm not the fucking help. I'm just not. That's, 
Well, I just hate I, that phrase. Like, I no can't one is we that still way. call people that. Like, wow. Exactly. Okay. And that, mm, sorry, very off topic from today's conversation. <laughs> well, that's okay. We're getting a little catch up in. Yeah. Um, but yes, you should know by the title of this episode, kind of what we are going to be talking about today. Um, mm-hmm. This is actually something that I really felt like I needed to do more reading on. It's something that I've been hearing a lot about for a long time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of information like all over the internet. And of course, this yeah. sort of thing really does like breed conspiracies and conspiracy theories. That's what I was going to say. It's really easy to go down like a Reddit rabbit hole. Um, I actually found a lot of really great, just, it seemed like just homemade documentaries about the whole hashtag free Britney thing and a bunch of different videos talking about it too. So it's interesting where typically we were, we would go to like more intellectual or I guess like reputable sites to get most of our information where while I did, you know, I got a lot of background information on Britney from, you know, actual like reputable sources and things like that but I did a lot of YouTube and Reddit how about you um most of my information I did get from a Harper's Bazaar article a bbc.com mm-hmm. article an Atlantic article um so most of my stuff did come from articles that I had read but I mean there is just so much out there and there has been for so long yeah. and I say that there just is the so theories. much Right. I say that there's so much in terms of theories and the reason why people have to speculate so much is because of the intense secrecy um, of this particular conservatorship she's under. So I was going to say really quick, because we were bringing up the conspiracies of it. I just want to say before we start, I don't know. I don't know how much I buy into the a lot of the conspiracies, at least at the top of this episode. I might feel differently after we've discussed it. But just after doing research, I'm not really sure if I'm buying into a lot of them. So I'm interested to see what you think. Because a lot of, I just kind of stuck with the stuff that was, again, I read an Atlantic article and a couple other uh, LA Times, things like that. But it is really easy to kind of like slip into that conspiracy mode. And I was just curious as to what you, if you think there's a conspiracy going on or if you think it's really just straightforward. Um, I don't know that I think it's super straightforward. Uh, I don't know that I think that there is a conspiracy going on, um, per se, but I do think that there, I do think that I'm not sure her being in this conservatorship is necessarily in her best interest, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I, I don't know otherwise either. Like, yeah. Cause, we're not there. We're not seeing everything that these like supposedly impartial like judges yes. are seeing. So there must be a reason that she's being kept under this. However, there's a lot of there's a lot of backstory and information. So and there's also much. a lot of stuff that like I think is wrong with the conservatorship, mostly to do with her dad. So let's yeah. kind of jump I mean, in. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Brittany. I think her whole life is honestly pretty sad and tragic it's it's very sad another victim of fame you know she's a victim of fame and she's a victim of uh, abuse really like her childhood was not very good which is something that I didn't really know I mean outside of her having been given a lot of fame and attention very young which I think will fuck you up very often if you don't have the appropriate amount of um, balance in your life, her father was an alcoholic through her yeah. childhood. And very um, they were very explosive and angry too, with especially with her mother. So she was witness to a lot of really, really nasty fights 
and abuse there was. And physical fights between like family members. Like yeah. her brother kind of talks about how him and there was one time when Jamie, uh, Britney Spears' father, was drunk and attempting to leave in the car with Britney. Yeah. And and they got into a physical like knockdown drag out brawl in that front was, of Britney. That was... um her dad's brother. It was her uncle. Yes. Yeah. And then there was another story that was told about him getting so mad at the mom that he threw a water glass across the room, like right in front of Brittany. And it was really, really scary and traumatizing for her. Right. So yeah. I and actually they were also very poor, which is another thing. And so when, when you're in a situation like that and you have a very talented daughter, what oftentimes happens, we've seen it happen over and over. You know, we saw it with Macaulay Culkin and other child stars where a lot of the weight and pressure for your success um, is amplified. Right. And that can really lead to really bad depression and anxiety. Issues because from a young age, you know that you have to be successful to support your parents. Totally. But what's interesting is like even before she was seen as this person that can make money, you know, when she was three years old, she was put into dance class, singing lessons, gymnastics. Like she was in so many extracurricular activities. And they say, uh, again, in that YouTube documentary that I was watching, I'll put the link in the show notes. They were talking about how these activities for Britney was like her escape. And I really connected with that because for me, skating and then theater was a way for me not to be at my house when things weren't so great. So while, yes, getting her started with those things so young sets her up for, especially because of the parents she has that kind of saw her as this cash cow, where if she had had normal parents, it would have been different. But it's not the extracurricular activities. That's the problem. It's the motivation as to why I believe she was put into those activities. Right. Um, I think that they had an agenda pretty young, like pretty early on for what they wanted for her. And that's what's so sad because like she... she thoroughly enjoyed doing all these things and those were her passions and the people around her just kind of sucked all the joy and happiness out of her passions and the things that she loved to do to the point where she's I would say kind of unrecognizable compared to how I knew her as a child to now you know it's just sad it's kind of interesting, you know, because we do have so many younger listeners on the podcast. Um, I've looked at our demographics. Yes, there's a lot of millennials who are our age. Yeah. But there are a lot of like Gen Z, you know, kids. And so I don't mean to call you kids, you know, young but you're, people. You're, you're kids, but we say it affectionately. <laughs> right. Um, but they don't remember the same Britney that we remember from our childhoods necessarily. Because yeah. after all, she went through her like infamous breakdown in 2007. My youngest brother was six years old. Are you serious? <laughs> at that time. Yeah. So oh it's like gosh. if you were if you were like a Gen Z kid the Britney that you grew up with or came to know is different than the Britney that like we came to know in the 90s and the early 2000s, right? And I actually just realized, Keegan, in the beginning of the episode, I was calling you Miranda from Lizzie McGuire. Keegan's got these cute little like braids (laughs) in the front of her hair in a scarf. You actually are kind of you're totally that early 2000s, late 90s, like Britney era vibe right now. I think oh, you did yeah, this on the, purpose. Bringing that bandana back, man. Like, yeah. You know, early 2000s vibes for real. It's really just because <laughs> I didn't want to. I need to wash my hair. Oh, I thought uh, you were so, just trying to be on theme or whatever. No, I mean, but I accidentally on theme. Yes. But I think that another thing that maybe young, our younger listeners might not take into account when really putting into perspective Britney's ultimate like breakdown meltdown is the gossip media 
of the late 90s and early 2000s. Yes. It was out of control. Like, honestly, like, yeah. looking at this stuff, it kind of reframed for me what we thought at the time was normal. Like, oh, these people yes. just being, like, hounded and followed stalked, stalked constantly. Well, there were... It's not... It doesn't happen like that there as much anymore. There weren't, pa- there weren't paparazzi laws at the time, where now there are certain protection laws. There are certain protection laws for children. They're kind of wishy-washy, but there are, um, like, you can't... I don't think you can like drive super close anymore or be super close, especially after Princess Diana, because that was the big like right reason yeah. they say that the car accident happened. So yeah, there since and Brittany, I think actually is a part of that as well. Since that time, they have created more and more paparazzi laws in order to like keep celebrities safe. But the videos, the paparazzi videos of her from like TMZ and such were so brutal and they and they did everything they could to get her in a bad vulnerable yeah, moment yeah like just I think the rise traumatized her ultimately I think that social media is net negative in general like I think it has done uh, irreparable damage to our our country yeah. <laughs> really um and the world but I do think that there are some positives to come out of it and I actually think that the rise of social media and the ability for these celebrities to kind of control their own image and narrative has actually helped to curb a lot of of this stuff because we didn't know what was going on in these celebrities' personal lives. So it became like a a, a fixation. And we only Um, knew from People Magazine and TMZ and these different rag Mm -hmm. magazines. So our idea, Press Hilton, yeah, our only idea of what was going on was through these media sites which were creating her persona, which were really telling us a lot of mixed messages. I kind of want to go back and talk a bit about who she was as a kid and how she got started a bit because I think it's really interesting to look at who she was as a child um, she's from the Bible Belt from a really small town in Kentwood Louisiana she sang in the church choir she had this like deep vibrato voice as a kid like a very deep voice for a young girl she really loved Whitney Houston And if you look at her videos from when she was on Star Search in 1992, so for those of you who don't know what Star Search is, it was this huge talent competition. It was mostly singing, right, Keegan, or was there some other acts too? It was mostly singing, but I do think that there were other acts. It was basically like the first kind of like America's Got Talent. Exactly. Yeah. thing so she was on that and I think she got like runner up or something in the episode that she was on so she didn't win but she sang Judy Garland's I Don't Care which I love and it's one of my favorite songs I skated to it when I was younger so seeing that video was super cute but she's got this like musical theater voice really like she had this beautiful beautiful singing voice she actually was cast as an understudy alongside Natalie Portman for the lead role in the musical Ruthless on Broadway when she was only eight years old uh, which is crazy and then eventually she ended up in the Mickey Mouse Club when she was 11 which was on Disney was it even Disney Channel at that time I guess it would be right I think so it was, I mean, this was, what year did she get this? This was 90, this was probably like 95. I was young. I don't really remember Mickey Mouse Club very well. Do you? I, I'm not sure. It was the revival because there was an old Mickey Mouse Club yes. from like the 60s or 70s. And then there was a revival in the 90s that had everybody, Christina Aguilera, Ryan Gosling, Justin, Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So They, the parents, actually, it was the mom and the daughters all lived in L.A. for six months out of the year for filming. And they filmed from like nine to six every single day. But they only made 
$5 an hour, which was like insane. So she was working her ass off. She was on this hit show, but she really wasn't making any money. And so she went back to Kentwood for one year of normal high school in 1995. She was on the homecoming court. She had a boyfriend named Reg Jones, who she like really, really was into. Um, So she kind of had one year where she lived a normal life, but she talked about her school kind of like the opening scene of Clueless with all the different cliques and not really feeling like that was where she was supposed to be. So she kind of got back into the industry and originally she was in talks with Luke with Lou Pearlman, who started, you know, Backstreet Boys and sing trash. And all of those. He's huge, a bad person. Huge piece of trash. Have you guys have you ever seen the um the documentary about the Backstreet Boys that came out like recently no it's been on my list of things to watch they're also making a movie about him um about lou perlman and that he's, whole situation he's insane so i'm very he's glad a bad person i'm really glad that she at least didn't get too involved with him but she was asked to be in this girl group called innocence but it's spelled with an s after the o instead of a c so it's like innocence Okay, that's, makes, a, that's the most like late 90s thing I've ever heard. I know, like, right? Like we're just going to change the spelling a little bit to make dude, it different. can I also say, this is taking us off track just like slightly, but uh, my soul left my body when I saw a TikTok and it was this like kid from Gen Z. It was a Gen Z kid. Oh no. And he was saying... He was saying, hey, all of you early 2000s babies, we have bye, 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 N-S-Y-N-C. <laughs> my soul N-S-Y-N-C. my body. Like, I was like, what? Oh, my I'm gosh. A mil- I'm a million. You I'm a like, million years old? You like the movie, uh, That Thing You Do, right? I've seen it, but not for a long time. Oh, my God. This is one of my favorite movies. But it's like they call the Wonders, but it's like one O-N-E-Ders. So they call them the O-Neaters. They're like, no, it's the Wonders, like the number one. So, yeah, that was definitely like a thing. So this this girl group obviously didn't come to be, at least not with Britney. I don't know if this went on to be anything in the future. But she, Britney had this lawyer named Larry Rudolph, and he wanted to pitch her to labels as a solo artist. So she was eventually signed to Jive Records in 1997. And this is what Jive Records had to say about her at the time. And it's a really, really great uh, kind of review of her talent. It's very rare to hear someone that age who can deliver emotional content and commercial appeal. For any artist, the motivation, the eye of the tiger, is extremely important, and Britney had it. So she was known for having this really, really deep, powerful voice. And then once she was signed with Jive, she was sent to Sweden to work with Max Martin, who is a huge, 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 huge producer. I mean, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, every huge pop singer that you can think of, Max Martin has like built in some way, shape, or form. And they say that it was when she was in Sweden working with Max Martin is when he wanted her to manipulate her voice to sound more babyish because she kind of had this persona in Baby One More Time, her first single, where she looks like a young schoolgirl, which she was, and she's in a school in a uniform. But the uniform is, you know, a white button-down shirt tied right below her, bra and a little sweater and a short short skirt and pigtails the way she was sexualized it was very fetishized I, I really feel like the early 2000s once again like things were normalized that you know you and i may have thought were normal at yeah. the time um that looking back on the way that we deliberately found young teen girls and 
sexualized them not not just like oh you have a sick mind for you know thinking of them in a sexual way they were deliberately sexualized yes they were meant to be used and looked at as sexual objects um to the point where i remember there were countdown clocks for the olsen twins turning 18 yeah just gross stuff like that was normal oh and i remember do you remember even people with like hermione in the harry potter series as she was growing up like it was so Guys are gross. Guys can be so, so gross sometimes. Well, but you know, like like, that stuff I think is always going to happen. Yeah. But you know, at least with Emma Watson, I don't feel like her team deliberately sought to turn her into a sexual object. Other people like fetishized. Right. Which like with Britney Spears at the age of 16, which is so young. Yeah. So, so young. I don't think I realized she was that young when I was that the first album, Baby One More Time, was my shit. Like, I listened to that thing on my CD player in my bedroom, dancing in my, like, short shorts and, like, tank yeah. tops, pretending to be be Britney Spears, like, gyrating. I'm sure I looked insane. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. And, like, I'm not shaming, like, having no. fun with it or any of that stuff. I'm just saying all of this is going to take a toll on someone's on mental health when yeah. you have no control of your image and you're also being sexualized Um without not necessarily with your consent at that age well and the other thing that I feel like wasn't brought up in anything that I read about I couldn't find anything about it but I want to know how Britney felt when she was told that her voice had to change or when her voice was manipulated in some way because I feel like for myself for the things that I think I'm good at if somebody were to say yeah you're really good at that but we're going to change everything because it's not good enough like I would feel well, really shitty not about good that in the right way. I, I think know, for me, they what would be insulting, her. right? For me, what would be insulting is every bit of her career is manufactured. I mean, there was a there was a pop princess mold and machine and there could only be one of each, right? So you had Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears all happening at the same time and each one of them needed to fit a very particular mold mold, and they couldn't overlap. They couldn't be too similar. Uh, Well, Christina and Britney, I think were the most similar and they definitely, I feel like the public definitely pitted them against each other the most. They, they did, but deliberately, like I'm saying, it's part, probably part of why they had her change her voice is yeah. because Christina Aguilera is a powerhouse voice, oh, yeah. right? And Britney Spears is a dancer. And like, that's mm-hmm. how we look at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's as a great a performer. point. That's a great point of how a lot of people think of her as a dancer first. I loved her singing voice as a kid, though. I'm like so disappointed that she didn't go like the Broadway route or something because... She had a great voice for a little kid. Um, I was watching an interview that she did when she was 19 years old, and I didn't see the interviewer, so I don't know who it was. It was just a clip, but they were asking about how she feels about what she wears. And she's 19 years old at this time, and she says, I just wear what I want to wear. I can't constantly be thinking about what other people are thinking. But when you look at her in interviews, she is dressed a little bit more like how you would see just a normal girl at that time dressed. It's, I think, more so when she's performing that there's this persona that's been pushed upon her. But I think people couldn't see that it was this performance piece. They thought it was her. And that, I think, was really hard for her to constantly have to defend herself, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. There was also, you know, she claimed that she wanted to be a virgin until she was married, and that just followed her around for years, especially when she was dating Justin Timberlake. Because um, well, people were obsessed with her sexuality. Yeah, like obsessed. It's not healthy or okay to be um, that fixated on a teenager's sexuality. Yeah. Did you know that when she did the, I think this was the VMA's performance where she came out with the big snake? Mm-hmm. Do you know whose snake that was? Uh, it was the guy from the Tiger it was King documentary. Fucking Doc Antle from Tiger mm-hmm. King. Yeah. I was like, yeah. "Oh, no way!" Um, crazy. Sorry, I just had to bring that up because I did not know that little tidbit. Um, as she's getting older, you know, she did "Oops, I Did It Again." She had that movie Crossroads that came out in two thousand two. She had another new album come out that year. She and Justin Timberlake broke up, and he was kind of shitty and like released some like intimate details about their private life that put even more heat on Britney, and of course not on Justin because he's the guy. There was the VMA kiss, which Christina Aguilera kissed Madonna too. It wasn't just Britney. Um, she, at that point, even a public official was saying that she should be shot because of it. And like things were just getting out of control. So we get to 2004 and she's in Vegas with her childhood friend, Jason Alexander, who is not Jason Alexander from Seinfeld and not Travis Alexander, who was killed by Jody Arias, which is what I confused it with at first. They got married in Vegas after a night of partying. And in the YouTube documentary that I saw, they talked about how this might have been Britney's like one night where she's like out with a friend and like nobody's telling her what to do. And she had this idea to get married and she it was her decision, her thing. And within 55 hours, like her mom went crazy. The lawyers went nuts and it was annulled immediately. Uh, So she had that little bit of freedom being married for 55 hours and then that was kind of taken away. But then I believe it was that next year that she got with Kevin Federline, who apparently is really nice. Max has worked with him at Guitar Center a couple of times, like fixed stuff for him. And he says Kevin Federline is really nice. You know, he got a lot of uh, really bad press and heat, but I actually think given the kind of prep I was doing for this episode, articles that I was reading, is that he seems to be a good father. Yeah, Um, it seems like he was young and kind of douchey. When they were married, you know? Yeah, I mean, but that's like, that's par for the course. And that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. But so it's around this time, Brittany has had anxiety and depression essentially her entire life. Obviously, Um, with all that. Yeah, given all of those things, I mean, it's a lot of success. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of nonstop working Uh um, from the time you're in your early teens, essentially. And so she suffered from, and I can relate, racing thoughts that kept her up at night. She had a really hard time with silence um, and not working. I know that when you're someone who is a very busy person, that when you're having moments when you're not busy, you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. And so it would lead to kind of like manic mood swings. So she was prescribed Prozac at one point, but rather than taking her medication consistently, uh, the article I read described it as though she took it as though you would take headache medication. Right. So if she she woke up in the morning and she was feeling kind of depressed, she'd take a pill. Yeah. But that's not really how... This medication is designed to work. Yeah, it typically does take, I don't know Prozac exactly, but I know for myself, if I get an, if my dosage is upped in any way or if I get a different medication, it takes a few weeks for it to kick in. So if you're just taking one in the morning and then not taking another for a few days, you're not actually letting the chemicals do anything for your body. It's just kind of a tease. 
Right. You know, unless you're taking and a Xanax that works right away. But <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a different thing. Yeah. But it, unfortunately, like taking the Prozac so sporadically, uh, it was actually doing more harm than good to her. And so by 2007, she, you know, had already gone through her one short marriage that lasted 54 hours and was annulled. And she was currently in the middle of a divorce with her current husband, Kevin Federline. Yes. With and whom she'd had two children. Yes. And I didn't mention this in the beginning, but the one person that she had throughout her childhood that was kind of like a sane parental figure was her Aunt Sandra. And she she thanked her Aunt Sandra a lot throughout her career. They were very, very close. And Sandra passed away in 2007 as well. Right. And at this point, the paparazzi machine was working out of control. Uh I feel like it really hit ahead um, after the annulment of that marriage because people it was on the cover of every magazine. People talked about it all the time. And she was being hounded constantly to the point where one of the biggest things that I remember was when she had her first son. He was young. She was seen. They they snapped a picture of her driving with him on her lap, which she absolutely shouldn't have been doing. But she said later on, like, I was trying to get away from the paparazzi yeah you were blocking my car I wasn't thinking clearly I needed to get out of there and she also said you know and she I knew exactly when I saw that picture I know exactly where she is in Malibu too I'm like okay like I'm I'm hoping that she at least pulled on the side of the road and fixed it eventually but she even said she was like I'm from the country I would drive on my dad's lap all the time and like I I I understand but you shouldn't do that I don't agree with it but at the same time like I was on the front of four wheelers when I was probably like way too young and things like that. But so I understand where she's trying to defend herself with that. I'm not saying as a mother that you should ever drive with your child in the front seat. But the thing is, is that they made it so impossible for her to safely get her child even into the car seat that she had no other choice. The issue is that, yes, the issue is that they created the situation in the first place and then they harped on her and constantly dragged her for having done what she did whenever you created the situation yeah. that made it necessary for her to do the thing that she did. Well, do you and remember so, the picture where she's holding her son in one arm and she's got her coffee and she trips and the son almost like falls and she catches him like really quick. Right. But then the tabloid is thing. like, Brittany cares right. more about her coffee than her son. It's like, no, she's catching her kid. Like, <laughs> Right. And it's just a normal thing that happens to everybody all yeah. the time. You know, like it's it's a normal mother moment. But when you have people f- literally following you every single moment of every single day yeah. like, and capturing every single flaw and when and you're struggling it, and yeah, it's not and like she's. It- doing well sorry right no and she she wasn't doing well she had experienced a series of public meltdowns at this time and of course the most infamous that I think most people remember um, it involved her shaving her head and threatening the paparazzi with an umbrella these photos went viral and again I remember at the time it being spoken about as like a punchline yeah. at a, on a late night show. It was like, on it every late night show. I it f- wasn't handled in a way that we were looking at somebody who was clearly struggling yeah. and going through some kind of episode. It was looked at as entertainment. It it's was. shameful. I, the way that we, we, all of us consumed that media. Yeah, it became... I mean, I'm sure there was SNL stuff about it. I remember, I think it was Jay Leno had said something about her. I mean, everywhere, everybody was talking about Britney and how she was a bad mom and unhinged and crazy and all of this stuff. Well, I mean, and to be honest, that behavior was wild. It was wild, yeah. It's it's not normal behavior to see somebody, you know, walk in, grab a pair of clippers, shave their head, start swinging, you know, beating the shit out of a vehicle with an umbrella. Like, it's not normal behavior. But that, to me, makes me just want 
everything to stop and give her a hug and just say everything is going to be okay. Just breathe with me. You know what right. I mean? Like it's I've clear, been in that moment where it just she's going through something. Yeah, where it's yeah. like I need to break something or scream or it's just and it's such a, an impossible headspace to be and I can't imagine constantly being surrounded by you know flashbulbs and people yelling at me and things like that on top of it but when I remember you know seeing that and I mean I'm definitely guilty I'm sure of you know throwing a couple jokes out there because I was a teenager and stupid but I do remember reading an article that actually did have a bit of a nicer explanation of what was happening and a bit about you know worrying about her mental health and things like that so that was when I first kind of became aware that there was something more going on with Brittany rather than her just being kind of a funny punchline you know right I mean people were starting to report on things like a, a Rolling Stone that same year put out an article where they were saying on one occasion she stayed up for 48 hours straight because she feared her mobile phone charger was taping her thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and again, I do feel like there was this mixed bag of people kind of pointing at that as something to laugh at and other people kind of saying, no, there is actually something very wrong yeah. here well, that we need to take a look at. Uh, I remember also reading... One theory that they had, because when she shaved her head, somebody asked her why, and she had responded that she was sick of people touching her. And I remember reading an article where they were talking about some of the uh, signs of sexual abuse in people, talking about shaving her head and wanting to be seen as less attractive and people not wanting to touch her. Now, I don't I didn't see any of that in my research today. So that must have just been a theory that was going around like in the 2000s that I remember. But I remember that being the first time that I'd ever heard of those being signs of somebody that might be going through some sort of trauma or sexual trauma. But I didn't know about that before. I hesitate to speculate on that just because like we really don't know. And I do feel like so many theories and stuff were thrown about like during that time. Um, However, I mean, knowing what we know about the music industry, knowing yeah. how Britney Spears was marketed at a young age, um, it's it wouldn't necessarily be surprising. Yeah, like, if I don't she know. Experienced. I don't know if that's like the reason for the breakdown, which is why I think a lot of people were trying to say at the time, like that could be why she snapped that day. I think it was probably a lot of different things. But I do find I I remember that being just kind of an educational moment for me of being like, I didn't even think that that would be a a thing that would happen, you know, that somebody could react that way to being hurt. Right. I mean, from my perspective, just my my theory is just that it was a lot of little things that finally just she finally just couldn't take it anymore, which I understand and relate to completely. But, you know, after this, she went to several rehabs. They were failed stints and rehabs, essentially. And she lost custody of her sons, Jaden and Sean. Um, At one point, she did barricade herself in the bathroom with her youngest son for three hours uh, before being carried out on a stretcher. And it's this event um, that led to her being committed to a hospital psychiatric ward against her will with her father um, obtaining temporary legal control of her affairs. And I think it's so easy for us to hear that story of her barricading herself with her child for three hours and think again and be judgmental and think that that's her being a bad mother. But I'm listening to this new podcast series. I can't even remember what it's called because I started this morning. 
but it's about parents that were accused of child abuse when they really hadn't done anything wrong. Now, I'm not saying that she's innocent or anything like that either, but you can imagine what it would be like to have your child forcefully taken away from you. I would do the same thing. I would be barricading myself and saying, please don't take my child. I, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think this is a situation in which I would look at Britney Spears and think that you're being a bad mother. I would think that this is a situation where we have somebody who's clearly going through something mentally, yeah. um, is not mentally well in this moment, having some kind of psychiatric situation happening, mm-hmm. uh, who is then also having to grapple with the fact that you are losing custody of your child. Definitely. Right? And yeah. so, yes, it seems like a very extreme thing to lock yourself in a room and refuse to give your, your child <laughs> to his father right but it's coming from a place of panic like yeah. i i kind of understand that part of it definitely you and know wanting, and also just wanting to hold on to the things that she loves so much i mean since interviews when she was very young she talked about wanting to be a mom there was something that she would say about you know having her kids love her which is something that a lot of abused children go through when they have children is that and again not a not a professional or anything but just from what I've read, that a lot of times when children grow up in abuse, they look to their children as sources for for love as well. So having that being taken away from her, I'm sure, was another part of herself that was being taken in a time where she was really grappling with her identity and her sanity. Well, and she's just completely losing control. Yeah, right? she's like lost she's everything. Losing- all control um, of her life. And at this point, um, her father did obtain what he deemed to be like a temporary conservatorship over her. But this did mean that she would no longer be able to make her own appointments, go for impromptu drives, or freely use any of the money, the millions of dollars that she had earned um, since shooting to superstardom at the age of 16. She did try to contest the arrangement uh, in court, but a judge had determined that she was mentally unfit to choose her own attorney. And so she was placed under a conservatorship. And I do want to talk a little bit about what a conservatorship is. So a conservatorship, according to the California court's official website, is where a judge appoints an individual or organization to care for another adult who is deemed unfit to care for themselves or to manage their own finances. So in Brittany's case, uh, she was conserva- considered, is considered a conservatee, and her father, Jamie, is her conservator Yes, uh, and it in, is, in this situation. It is similar to legal guardianship, but in California, they refer to it as a conservatorship. And there are some differences but they're very, very similar for those of you who aren't really familiar with it as well. Um, I was reading that some law experts say that it's unusual for someone as young and seemingly productive as Brittany is now, you know, in 2020 and in the past few years, to be under a conservatorship because it's usually for people who are elderly or like severely mentally disabled or in a vegetative state. suffering from dementia. Exactly. uh, Things like that. And it, it is, you know... To me, from what I've seen, it's not necessarily super unusual that she would have been put under some kind of temporary conservatorship, Definitely. given the fact that she'd had a psychiatric break. I think she even acknowledges that um, in her most recent court battles that like, yes, at the time, uh, it made sense for somebody to kind of like take take the reins because I was not in a good place. Right. right? But it's been like um, 13 years. I think it's been enough time. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's, 12, it's been 12 years. Been, yeah. 12. Yeah. But it's just crazy that, you know, when I read that it was initially intended to be temporary, that was kind of when my whole thoughts on this changed because I didn't know that there was a time limit. I found it very strange that she would still be on it. Um, but especially because it was 
initially supposed to be something temporary, I would assume for her to get back on her feet. But within a few years, like she was working again a lot and has been working. I think that that's a really big thing that a lot of people point to. So in 2008, she participated in an MTV documentary called Off the Record, in which she discussed the conservatorship, but in very, very vague ways. She never really specifically talked very much about it. But a lot of people point to this interview because it was one of the only times she has ever talked about the conservatorship publicly, because since then, her handlers have very carefully controlled what questions are allowed to be asked uh, by interviewers. So So when she was talking about this uh, on that documentary, she assured fans that eventually the truth about everything would come out. She was going to write a book about it. She was going to talk about it. And she does express, even at that time, having not even been in the conservatorship for a year, she says, quote, even when you go to jail, you know there's the time when you're going to get out. But in this situation, it's never ending. Mm. So she felt that way, you know, kind of from the beginning. Well, right. And in the beginning, she she really couldn't leave her house without her dad knowing about it through the years. There she has still can't. Been. I thought that <laughs> like, it was just her finances and stuff because somebody else took over her like well-being one or something. And then, well, uh, we'll talk about that. Things have okay. changed somewhat. Um, it's part of why she's in court now, but like, yeah, she still doesn't really have any control. She doesn't have any control over, like she doesn't get to see the contracts before she signs contracts. Right. She doesn't get to see offers that are presented to her for work and things like that. But just to continue to go like chronologically, by November of 2008, her father, Jamie, and a lawyer named Andrew Wallet, which I was like, that seems really on the I nose. I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, of course, this douche's name is Wallet. Right. They were completely overseeing the conservatorship by this time. So... Like you said, since being in the conservatorship, Britney has had multiple smash singles, sold out world tours and a Las Vegas residency. And Britney's team have kept most of the court documents related to her situation completely sealed. So whatever medical condition they're saying prevents her from being able to handle her own affairs remains publicly unknown. And so, yeah, because that was my big thing. I'm like, what is her diagnosis? That makes it so that she's permanently unable to care for herself. Like, I'm very curious what they're claiming she has. It makes it very, it makes people very skeptical because you're saying she has a medical condition that is so serious that she cannot handle any of her own finances, any of her own shit, (laughs) anything on her own, but she is still sound enough of mind to be a judge on America's Got Talent or whatever. Like she can still um, handle the pressure of being on world tours. Like that doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah, it is. It is strange because I've heard, I've heard one of the theories is that she's been steadily drugged through the years as well, which makes her just kind of unable to take care of herself as well, which kind of gives her that appearance of not really knowing what's going on. And looking at interviews from the time that she was young and looking at the interviews from the past like five or six years, it is really interesting how she talks and how she's treated differently from that time as well you know her instagram has been a source of a lot of speculation because it does seem strange i mean it seems strange for a 38 year old woman to be basically every single video she takes is in her house um trying on clothes it does seem very young uh Uh you know so there's a lot to speculate there i really want to try and walk a line between looking at things and making observations and not 
speculating too much because we have oh, no yeah. real way of knowing what well, her mental health is. That's the thing is I think we can speculate and talk about behavior, but I think as far as like trying to diagnose her, there's no way that and anybody looking at this except for maybe a professional who could make some sort of hypothesis about what's going on with her. But as a general public, you know, we can look at the things that she does as strange and, you know, be inquisitive about them, but there's no way that we could diagnose right. her, you know. So there were signs that something was amiss um, starting about two years ago when Brittany abruptly canceled her Las Vegas residency and then announced an indefinite work hiatus before making a stay at a mental health facility. And she made a announcement on her Instagram that this was a choice that she was making for herself. Mm-hmm. But in the fall and in the fall of 2019, her father, Jamie, temporarily left his role as a conservator because he was having his own medical issues. Right. And so he put a woman named Jody Montgomery in charge while he was away. And so she had been working as Brittany's healthcare manager uh, at the time. So then in August of 2020, um, when Brittany did file her latest, you know, court filings, uh-huh. she expressed the desire for her father to not return to his role as conservator. She insisted that Jody Montgomery uh, and a financial firm handle all of her affairs, uh, all of her affairs. And this led to some legal battles between her and her dad um, with her team accusing her father, Jamie, of financial mismanagement and repressive secrecy and him firing back that this was reckless endangerment yeah. of of Britney. So this kind of spawned on the rebirth of the free Britney, the hashtag free Britney movement. Yes. Well, it started as leave Britney alone back in 2008. Do you remember that video? Yes. Chris Crocker. Chris, oh, gosh, I forgot that that was his name. Mm-hmm. It was a. It wasn't real though, right? He was like, or was he? No, being I think legit? it was. I can't remember. I think it was. But yeah, that I think was, it was that was huge. So when I hear "Free Britney," I also immediately picture "Leave Britney Alone" in my head, but not in a bad way. Like I'm making fun of it, but like I just think of it because no, back it then, turns out he was right. He was actually. right. That's like, what I'm saying. We all made fun of him, but it turns out like he was right. He we, was like, right. So what happened was um, there was a podcast called Brittany Graham. There is a podcast called Brittany Graham. Mm -hmm. uh, And they had an episode during which an anonymous lawyer who was formerly part of the firm that oversees Brittany's conservatorship expressed concerns over um, Brittany's team, kind of the team that was managing her Mm -hmm. and her father running her life. And there is a website that was launched in 2009 that had been largely quiet called freebritney.com. But after this Britney Graham episode kind of came out and like the hashtag started to go viral, free Britney, uh, they released a a statement on their website and it said, quote, during the 12 years of Spears's conservatorship, she has repeatedly toured the world, released multiple albums and worked on a variety of television shows. Her conservators decide whether or not she works as she cannot enter into contracts for herself because she is legally not her own person. Britney Spears needs permission from her conservators to leave her house and spend any of her own money. So though Britney expressed in those court filings from this August that she wanted out of her current situation and that she strongly opposed her father returning as her guardian. It's also important to note that in the court documents, she declared that her conservatorship was voluntary 
and that she would prefer gradual autonomy over time. Yeah. So which she's not I, which saying would make like, sense because right. she's never really probably been in charge of her money for very long, I'm sure. So having that kind of money and responsibility would probably be really overwhelming for someone that's been shielded from that for so long, which I think is really smart. Right. I agree. And um, the New York Times reported that Britney's conservatorship had been extended actually, to 2021, but that she does still request that her father be permanently removed from his role, um, and that will not be approved or altered until next February. So there's a possibility they're going to look at it again um, and see if they can... It's not over yet, but as of right now... As of right now, we have to wait until February. I, I can't wait until all of this is done. I would love for these documents to get unsealed, not because I need to know all the nitty-gritty details, but I really want to know. I want to know what her father has done to her over the years because just from knowing how he was when she was a child, thinking about somebody like that, having anybody be in control of your life would be horrible, but having somebody like that in control of your life sounds like a living nightmare to me. Right. I mean, it is worth noting that her father did get sober. He got sober in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. which would change. I mean, that is something. That is because something. Alcoholism is a disease and, you know, doesn't excuse what she went through as a child. Uh, but I would hope that at least some of that would change as as he got sober. Well, that's, However, a, that's a huge thing just to get sober. So that is great for him. Right. But he is still a fucking oh, asshole. He's still a dick, so let's yeah. talk. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that. So. Again, it's been speculated that much of her anxiety and stuff has stemmed from her unstable childhood. And a lot of people are speculating that what spurred on this most recent court battle, the things that she is filing right now, is because Jamie went to Britney's ex, Kevin Federline's home, kicked the door down, and got into a violent confrontation with Britney's son, Sean Preston. <gasps> which prompted, I, I, I don't know how long ago it was. Oh it was before gosh. this court filing. Um, but it prompted Federline to file for a restraining order, He's still which a was kid. granted. Like his, right. the kids are still mm-hmm. kids, like young mm-hmm. teens, middle-aged kids, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So Kevin Federline filed for a restraining order from Jamie, which was granted. Good. And because of the restraining order against her dad, Brittany's custody went from 50-50 to 70-30 in favor of Federline. Oh. And so a lot of people think that she's fighting the conservatorship in order to get to spend more time with her Which kids. Which would totally make... That's valid, too. I think all of these points are probably reasons why she wants the, this conservatorship to end. But I'm sure that that's a really big push for why she would want to do it now. Because she loves her kids. That's one thing that was just so clear to me I kind of like would go whenever I had to do like lunch or have a break yesterday when I was doing research I just watched old interviews of hers and she always talks about her kids and how much she loves them right I mean that to me is clear and I would like to say also like so while this might seem like a loss that she went through in court you know because she is still under the conservatorship a win I would say is that a lot of her financial stuff was put into a trust and the person in charge of that trust is Jamie Lynn Spears her sister yeah so you know it seems as though her brother had released a statement talking about how much his sister wants to be out of the conservatorship yeah Um, her mom apparently has been helping her with that yeah so it seems like she does have family support her family does seem to really be backing her And that was something that I was confused about when I was first researching because it is kind of confusing when they talk about it because the siblings do talk about why 
it's been good for her and why they feel that, you know, she needs some freedom from it as well. I just feel that because we don't have a lot of information, we don't really have any information about her as a person or what's going on with her. So hearing these things from her family where they're kind of saying it's good for her, but also not makes it all the more confusing to me. Right. Well, I mean, it's just because we don't have any information about it. Like, then that's why I, as much as I'm like, yeah, this seems fucked up and shady. Yeah. This, this conservatorship seems really shady. At the same time, I really want to proceed with caution and encourage our listeners to as well, not to jump to any conclusions because there is also the possibility that we don't know what's going on with Britney Spears and maybe her being under some form of guardianship in some way, Uh maybe not the way it looks like right now and maybe definitely not her father. Yeah. (laughs) um, But in some way is actually what's best for her. And if that's the case, do do we want what's best for her? You know, Yeah, we do. And I just think the most important thing whenever we discuss somebody, I would say especially somebody that we don't know and we're speculating, the most important thing to remember is just that like, if it doesn't affect you in some way personally, you know, all you can do is wish for the best for that person. And I feel like sometimes people tend to get um, very overinvested or have very strong opinions about not necessarily this topic, but just topics like this in general, where I think instead of everybody else trying to speculate what's best for her and what's going on with her, trusting the process a little bit and trusting her because, I don't know, she even said in an Instagram video where she was kind of, addressing the rumors that were going on with her being back in a mental hospital and the trials going on with her father and things like that. She reminded everybody that she's really strong. And I thought that was really right. great. She's yeah. like, and I can I can do this. Like, I'm really strong. And her sister said the same thing, you know. And so I do think that there is some stuff going on here with her dad that needs, I think someone else needs to be put in charge because at every turn, First of all, it's what she wants. And she is a 38-year-old woman. And I feel like she is capable of at least making this much of a decision for herself as far as like who she wants kind of in charge. You know, she doesn't want her father in charge. And there are valid reasons for that. There were documents obtained that revealed that her business manager abruptly quit and her father appointed another manager without without her approval or even letting her know. You know, there's... All of these things that it just really feels like I can't imagine not having any agency whatsoever over my life, my career, and then having people continue to essentially work you like a workhorse and make money off of you that you don't have any control over. Um, it's, It's very concerning. And kind of the final thing was, you know, the Los Angeles court rejected Britney's bid to remove her father, right? Uh, the judge, Brenda Penny, did not approve Britney's request to remove her father as head of her conservatorship. And though, you know, she didn't dismiss that it's a possibility that he could be removed in the future. But her lawyer, Samuel Ingram, he came out and said, quote, my client has informed me that she is afraid of her father. She will not perform again if her father is in charge of her career. And that's kind of where we are at right now, where she is refusing to perform. She's refusing to release any new stuff. And I do know that her father and their team did try and release an, an old um, something that she had recorded previously because they're determined yeah. to continue the Britney machine, you know, and keep that... Right, they need to keep making keep more that money. Running. And so I do encourage anyone, I wish I could find the name of that um, 
EP that was released. But I do encourage anyone to not listen to it. Don't download it because it is directly it's it's not what Britney wants (laughs) at all. Very clearly. It's yeah. I think that her showing the sign of protest is a pretty amazing thing. And the fact that she's saying that I think shows some autonomy in her that she's saying, no, I'm not going to do this until he is no longer in charge. I think that's great. Right. Like she's not even saying I'm not going to do this until I am no longer under a conservatorship. She's saying I'm not going to do this until he is not in charge of my career anymore. She I think she clearly feels taken advantage of. She needs to space to figure out who she is. That's the biggest thing for me is like, yes, everything with her career and not having control over that is so sad. But just I don't think she has any control over anything. Like, I just feel like she would have to go have such some serious therapy going into her childhood just to figure out who she is well, as a person. Yeah. Beyond this persona that they I mean, a lot of people her. point to the fact that they're like Britney girl, like in her Instagram videos where they're like, why yeah. are you still dressing like it's 2000, you know, seven. And well, that's a very normal thing to happen for for people. I knew a girl when I was in treatment that was like almost 40. And I thought she was in high school. Like, it was very, very shocking how there are times that, you know, our repressed feelings that we have. Can well, and she hasn't been exposed age. to the world, you know, <laughs> in any real way. She hasn't yeah. had the freedom to travel the way that she wants to or live her own life or make That's any kind point. of decisions for herself whatsoever. Yeah, like shop for her own right. clothes. I mean, and do her like buy her own groceries. Also you know what I mean? There is a theory that a lot of famous people, you know, who got famous whenever they were children end up kind of mentally stuck in the time when they were at the height of their fame. You know what I mean? Because since then, you've had people kind of, you haven't lived in reality. You haven't lived in the real world after that, you know? Well, and that's, that's a very real reality living in Los Angeles, meeting people. I mean, I've met some people that were fairly big when they were young that are actually fairly well adjusted and it's very surprising but I think that's a really common thing because you aren't treated the same as you are as I would be growing up it just it doesn't mean that they're not good people but they don't have the same idea of the world as I think absolutely yeah which would make it even scarier to be like left out on your own suddenly after having somebody else in control of your life right. for 12 years. So, I mean, I guess... So I can see where she I guess what scared. I want to say, kind of like to close it up with Britney, is like, I yeah. want what's best for Britney. And clearly right now, mm-hmm. she's a 38-year-old woman who has been able to have at least a sound enough mind to be able to perform and hold interviews and work and make money and make millions of dollars. Uh, I think if she yeah. is saying, I'm afraid of my father... I don't want him in charge of my life. I don't want him to have the ability to control my life in this way. I think that that is something that should be looked at and honored. Beyond that, I can't really speculate on anything to do with her. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could have had that be the whole episode. We just we just put it in many more words than that. But that's essentially it. It's like she is a 38 year old woman. If she doesn't want her dad in charge of her life anymore, then he shouldn't be anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel as well. And I just wanted to, you know, open this conversation, give you guys kind of all the facts about like what is going on in court right now, because I know that, again, there are so many conspiracy theories surrounding people whose like whole jobs it is to just like look at her social media and analyze it and pick it apart, you know? I know. It is wild. Like, I've read a couple of, like, the BuzzFeed articles where they find, like, 
posts that people have made where they've done that. And it is fascinating the way that like different experts break down her body language and the, like, are they finding code in what she says? And it's just crazy. Like, wasn't there something this summer where it was like, if she wears black in her next video, it means she needs help. Yes. Or yeah. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. all this stuff going on where they were convinced that Brittany was communicating with her fans via social media. And maybe and she is. I don't, I don't know. And maybe she is. I don't know either, but it's totally fascinating and it's definitely fun to like go down that rabbit hole. I don't want to say fun because it's somebody's life, so that sounds horrible. But like it's definitely like a fascinating thing to go down whenever you get into these little intricate conspiracy theories. And it's also interesting because I feel like people are meant to look for these like Easter eggs in everyday life now with pop culture, which is interesting. Like everybody in every interview that celebrities do – I feel like is so is taken so literally to try to figure out what their next move is in their career, right? And especially life, with you know? somebody who is as controlled as Britney Spears, I think that that's the thing is we all yeah. know that she's not allowed to say the things that she might want to say, and so that makes us hyper aware of everything she does say. You know, um, yeah. But I love I sent Keegan just to, uh, last thing before we close up. I sent Keegan a clip from when she did carpool karaoke with James Corden. And she was talking about the different aliases that she uses to go into different hotels. And my favorite one that she said she uses is Anita Dick. She's the best. I, I genuinely she's so I genuinely funny. Really like Britney Spears. Like that's that's part of it. For me is I feel so sad for her because you know, I don't know what she needs and I don't want to speculate on what she needs, but I do think that she is a really sweet person from the things that I've seen. She seems hilarious too. Like funny, nice, just probably needs a hug. She needs somebody to like genuinely care about her and not just about like what she can give them or how much money she can make them, you know? Well, right. Or else her life is not going to last much longer you know this is a tale as old as time when when we look at Hollywood I mean if we look at the the golden era of the MGM child actors and you know sorry to bring up Judy again but Judy died in her early in her early 40s because of drugs and the way she was overworked and managed by her team and it's something that's still happening today and I hope that stories like Britney's can be cautionary tales for parents and for children who are in the entertainment industry to make sure that your children are protected and that their needs and wants are put first always all right thank you everybody so much for listening if you want to send us any episode ideas or you guys have been sending us wonderful ideas for the news episodes as well go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or catch us on instagram at angry neighborhood feminist we have a twitter that we sometimes use at yep podcast y a n f podcast we have a facebook business and group page you can go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners in the group page we also really love it when you rate and review us on apple Podcasts. it helps us out the most and you will be featured on our instagram for reviews day tuesday last but not least if you don't already hop on over to that radio public app and listen to us for free there and help us just a little bit in return that's all we have for you today with all of that being said we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.